he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. go in three two one and welcome in to let's watch highlander this is let's watch highlander season three recap that's right we have finished season three we have watched all 22 episodes of it we have talked to you about all 22 episodes and now we're going to kind of made it we did and now we're going to go over what we liked and what we didn't like and what worked uh for this season um and i think it's pretty safe to say this has been the best season of the three so far Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, not only does it have kind of the high water marks that we've seen thus far in the show, but consistently, this has been a good season. Even the mm-hmm. the bad episodes, the filler episodes, the ones that we didn't really love, were fine. Uh, right. Except for maybe one, but we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. But there isn't like the, a lot of peaks and valleys like we like we saw kind of in season one and two as the show was finding its footing. It's It's sort of... It's found itself, um, mm-hmm. and I I had a great time with this season. I don't know about you, but boy, this was yeah, this was good stuff. Well, it's a good season where this is where us as fans who have watched this show long time ago, the show is coming into what we remember of it and mm-hmm. what we remember it really being. That is Duncan, Richie, and Joe. Yep, being mainstays, and then we get. Um, Mythos coming in, who, spoiler alert, he's going to be more part of the show later on. Yeah. So, like, we get his introduction, and it's like, okay, now this is starting to feel like the show I remember watching and the show I remember loving so much. Yeah. I mean, seasons one and two had obviously had parts of that, had bits of it. It would mm-hmm. have a good episode here or a couple of episode run here. But three is where it started hitting the mark week to week episode to mm-hmm. episode where we might say season one or season two, you know, half the episodes are really good. And then there's hat. The other half is anywhere from middling to bleh. Um, mm-hmm. This was kind of like, yeah, you know, I might trim an episode or two, uh, but there's not a ton of, yeah, just straight up skip these. Right. For sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we had, you know, you mentioned Mythos. We had some good villains this this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, guest stars, just I mean, they're killing it with the guest stars left and right. Still, yeah. uh, even even finding ways to bring back characters like Xavier Saint Cloud uh, for you know a part of an episode, just like tossing him in there. Like that's the kind of yeah. stuff where it's like, yeah, this is what I remember the show being. Like little moments like that. And just cool stuff where you're tossing them in there as someone in the past. It's like, okay, well, we've already killed the character in the present of the show. doesn't mean he can't show up in the past in some way. So, you know, super interesting stuff like that. Just playing with the whole immortality aspect. Super fun. Yeah. Diving into immortality, I think, more in more interesting ways. Uh, much better usage of the Watchers in this season than in season mm-hmm. two. Um, as well as... Sticking to the formula that works for the show, but changing it up from time to time. 
not having to be evil immortal every week or evil not immortal every week like giving some different depth to certain stuff so i uh, i quite enjoyed that but i think we had some favorites some high moments and some low moments i think let's talk about those yeah when you swing your sword bring the mountain's power through you bring the mountain's power through you what is this sword play of poetry both so highs and lows from season three and i'm going to start audi i want to know from you what were some of the high points of this season for you um, it's hard to pin one particular thing. I, I liked some of the ways that they, they kind of fleshed out the immortality thing, whether it's talking about, you know, how they, especially when it came to Duncan and Anne talking about, um, what it's like to be immortal and dealing with that and bringing somebody into that mm-hmm. and then how you would feel with somebody. Cause We've had season one was all about Duncan's relationship with Tessa. Yep. And when we meet them, they're already together. They've had that conversation. They Tessa knows what's going on. Yeah. It's interesting to see it more this season where seeing Duncan deal with somebody, learning about it and learning about things. And then. Well, and how much he tried to hide it from her too. how to, how to protect yeah, too. her from it. He didn't want, because of what had happened with Tessa, he didn't want to go right. through that again. Sure. And and uh, just the different ways we see Duncan dealing with different people this season. There are times where he just unloads on them. There are times where it's like, okay, this is Duncan who's going to take it lightly, give somebody the benefit of the doubt, which mm-hmm. we've seen before. But it's good to still see that consistency of his character where where there's somebody where he doesn't know where they're at or who what they're doing yet, he's still going to give them some benefit of the doubt. Sure. Um, I'm with you on that. So, and, I mean, let's face it, just the whole um, thing with, why can I not remember anybody's name? <laughs> the fun part about these recap episodes is I can't just go to one IMDb page and just like, oh, that actor did this and that. Yep. <laughs> um but everything with Callus, that whole thing. Yes. You know, having a really cool arc, then we set it aside for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then we come back to it. Like, that storytelling aspect was really, really cool. And getting to see, towards the end of the season, see Callus as not necessarily a chess player, but as somebody who's really good on his feet with whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Like, because most of the season we see him as like a chess player who's moving pieces. And then we get to the end and we see him trying to gather new pieces. And it's like, okay, he's not necess- not just a really good uh, thinker, but he's good on his feet. Yeah. Trying to change the situation to what will work best for him. Yep. I dug that a lot where he was cold and calculating and thinking three moves ahead. And then later on we got to see him adapting and uh, to, you know, different changes in the playing field. And I dug that. That was one and, of, that was one of my high points was kind of those multi-part stories, the callous cycle finale, just stretching that story out and giving us more, putting more meat on the mm-hmm. bone and letting us chew on that was really great. Yeah. And just the finale, bringing back Amanda. Mm-hmm. God, I love her <laughs> as a character with McLeod. Just, it, it's such an oil and water kind of thing but somehow they work Mm -hmm. together not always but 
when they come together and they're good together. Oh, yep. See, for me, high point in this season, relationships. The relationship Mm -hmm. with Duncan and Anne. The relationship of Duncan and Richie and how that grew over time and how they they kind of grew into a more brotherly relationship this season than they'd had previously. We'd had a lot of mentor-student, a lot of Duncan taking Richie under his wing, and this year, this season, we got to see that blossom into a more, more of a mutual respect between the two of them. Yeah. Which I really liked. Seeing Richie grow and mature a little bit was great. Um, Seeing the relationship between Duncan and Joe and how it evolved and how they became more friends and more trusting of Mm -hmm. each other. Um, I mentioned Duncan and Ann, and I'll talk about that a little bit more, but that was was a good relationship because you you nailed it. When we started the series, it was Duncan and Tessa, but we were already midstream with them. And that Mm -hmm. was interesting, and it was well-written, and it was very cool, but this was, we got to we got to watch the genesis of the relationship between them. And we got to see Duncan struggle with the fact that he's immortal. And how does he tell Anne about this? He, he doesn't, he just lost Tessa. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to go through that again. So he's hiding that part of it. We also got to see Joe and Richie's relationship bond yeah. and they bonded a little bit more. So that just the way they wrote relationships, they felt real. They felt, mm-hmm. um, they felt healthy in a lot of ways. Right. Even, even though uh, Charlie was only in the season for a couple of episodes, Duncan and Charlie and the way that they got along uh, and, and everything with them and the fact that there was, again, there was a mutual respect between the two of them with, you know, with everything that happened at the end of season two and Charlie watching Duncan get shot and getting shot himself, but then recovering from that, like all of that kind of stuff, I really, really liked. So that was... The writing and the relationships were such a high watermark for me in this season. Mm -hmm. The multi-part stories, as I mentioned, because again, I talk about it a lot. These, these good stories, I just want them to stretch out just a little bit more. And that's what worked with and made Callus a better foil and a better villain was we got more time with him. Um, Mm -hmm. I also was very much a fan of the way the watchers were portrayed in this season. Uh, from the previous season where there was less of the evil watchers and the hunters right, and a lot more of them just being watchers and watching a lot of mm-hmm. stuff and even having a watcher who was working with an immortal, the, the episode right. they also serve. Um, mm-hmm. I liked that. We got to see some kind of lifting the curtain and see watchers when they're on their off time. We, we talked about that and how much we enjoyed that episode. Oh, that was great. Watching yeah. them just play cards and talk about their immortals and all that. Like, so it was just, the watchers were portrayed more how I wanted them to be and more what mm-hmm. I remember starting in this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were great. I, I wish we had gotten more info about what their creed is, what they're supposed to be doing. Cause it seems like Joe kind of broke that. And then later on in the series, he's, you know, there's no consequences for that so far. And yeah, yeah. just like, okay, we're just going with it, which is fine. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that, like, there's only so much plot you can throw in to these episodes. Right. But like, that's one of those things where I was like, I'd like to know more. But then it was interesting at the in the finale when Joe and um, Mythos as, um, uh, what was his watcher Adam. name? Adam. Are talking to the head watcher in France. Yep. And talking about stuff. And you figure out that, like... Dumb watchers are hardcore about this and will do whatever it takes to oh, keep yeah. the watchers safe. And you're like, whoa. And you saw Joe almost go that far. And so 
definitely really interesting to see the watchers as watchers not the like you said not the evil watcher hunters but just watchers as watchers and what they will do yes um and again just characters like like you said richie he had a whole arc this season like a serious arc on top of we're already we're already we're seeing him being much more of a mature person yep and then he has his own arc that we think is where is this coming from? Like it starts out like out of nowhere, nothing to do with anything McLeod's doing. We're like, that's okay. It, Richie's got this thing going over, going on over here. But then it comes together, yep. and it all comes together between what Richie's doing and Anne and Duncan coming back to together, and Anne learning about immortality. And so, like Richie coming back and having the issues he did, ended up helping explain stuff with the Anne situation. Yeah, that yep. would have been you know it would have taken more episodes but we have richie dealing with it in his life and then duncan dealing with his stuff at the same time and Anne's like okay so this is how it works and they're both like yeah this is how it works yeah yeah that was a, a pretty powerful moment just for and it's a great shorthand for her to be able to see all of that happening in front of her instead of mm -hmm. just duncan having to tell her right um, so yeah i <sighs> It's not a perfect season. There are some low parts. It, not as many yeah. as I thought. When I was looking back over it, really what I noticed was the the couple of episodes that did feel like filler episodes really felt like filler episodes. Um, mm -hmm. The um, Vendetta, I didn't love. Um, and uh, there, was, there was a couple of other episodes we talked about um, that just just didn't do it for me. So those those moments... We're definitely like, oh, we got to fill out the twenty-two episode season. So here's mm -hmm. here's the idea we wrote on the back of a napkin. Let's just run with that without fleshing it out. They felt they felt hollow, is what they felt. Um, mm -hmm. uh, blackmail was another one that had that where it's like this is an interesting concept um, with the the mortal person getting a videotape of a beheading and a quickening, but it kind of was a little bit of a limp fish. It just sort of laid there and didn't didn't give us enough of uh of right. kind of what we wanted from there um another low part for me honestly i'm sorry but uh benny carbasa in uh vendetta that character just <laughs> just didn't feel right like he didn't feel yeah. like he fit in the rest of the show at all it didn't help mm -hmm. that that episode was was already kind of feeling like a filler but then the more interesting characters and the more interesting plot had nothing to do with him right and so he just just Every scene he was in made you want to gouge your, your eyes out and poke your ears, yeah. eardrums. Because he felt like a caricature compared to everyone else yeah. in the episode and in the series. Like He felt like a very caricature kind of person. That And that's saying something. Fit. Yeah, it's saying something, giving some of the characters we've seen. Like the, the character in um, season two, the fighter, uh, the, little, the little Irish immortal was very mm. caricature-ish, right? He was always hot and cold. Oh, I'll fight everybody, and oh, I love this woman. Da, da, da. But even he yeah. felt like his performance was better, and his character was at least a little bit better. Benny just, you're right, this is a caricature. It's a cartoon, um, and he just didn't fit. We said it in, the, in that particular episode. We're like, how is this guy still alive? Mm -hmm. Honestly. Exactly. There is no yeah. way that immortal, that dude lived longer than like five years after he became immortal. just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and my only other real downer was um, Charlie leaving the series. Uh, yeah. Because it happened so early in the season. Mm -hmm. 
that it feels like, I mean, it was episode three, right? The revolutionary Charlie left after that episode. And that feels like so long ago. And it, he was, yeah. he was just like, he was finally getting some good episodes and some good stuff with him and kind of the, the way the relationship with McLeod was going, um, yeah. could have left, you know, could have gone for some juicy plots and then he's gone. Right. Um, so that was, a and that's what you, that's why we hate it because him, um, him and McLeod just had such great chemistry. We, t- we keep talking about the characters mm-hmm. of this season and those two were just, there's just something about the chemistry between those two guys is just good pals. Yeah. That works so well. And that you, you love to see. Yeah. And it absolutely. was just like, okay, see you. Bye dude. I think this is important. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like I liked the, again, the concept, the idea that he, he feels like he needs to do something better, mm-hmm. but it was so abrupt. It was just like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. Like there was no lead up to that, so that that bummed right. me out. But it was uh, it was a season of a lot of highs and very few lows. I mean, we're nitpicking, we're mm-hmm. we're finding stuff from right. beginning episodes and little one single character in an entire series what we really couldn't stand, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, but there were also some things that surprised us. So, what do you think of the joint? Well, I give high marks to any club that serves fine single malt. It suits you. Must be true what they say. You can take the boy out of Chicago, but you can't take Chicago after the boy. You know, you're still the only person I know who gets away with calling me boy. So I'm going to start with you, and I want to know what was, what was something that surprised you in season three? I would say the death of Fitz. I did not remember that happening so quickly in the series. I, I I feel like he was here a lot more than he was, apparently. Yeah, it was his second episode. It was the second episode Roger Daltrey was in, and they killed him off at the end of it. And like, I didn't remember that at all. And it, again, characters. They wrote him so well. He had such great chemistry with Adrian Paul. Like, they, again, the another two guys that just felt like pals from the very get-go... And got along so well. And in that very good ribbing each other kind of pals, you know? Yep. Like giving each other guff for whatever reason. Um, and Roger Daltrey just killed it as this character. He so did. So it was really sad to to see him go. Yeah, he really did. Because Daltrey just has so much charisma and he brings mm-hmm. such an interesting, different take on it, right? He is... He is the mm-hmm. affable, happy-go-lucky immortal. He's just looking for good food and women, and that's all he cares right. about. And but but when the chips were down, obviously he had he would have Duncan's back and he could handle himself. Mm-hmm. However, it it's it was surprising, and I get it from uh, the the aspect of let's create some drama, right? So mm-hmm. it was part of that multi-part callous cycle, right? That three episode right. arc. And mm-hmm. Duncan's just gotten to France after after everything that happened in the in the States. And so let's create a little bit of extra drama up the stakes and take away something else of his. And that was what Callus yep. was doing. Callus was taking things from Duncan. Right. Mm-hmm. At this point, Callus had taken an old friend in um in the monk um that was the the singing monk, right? And then he had taken he had right. essentially taken away Anne from Duncan. 
And now he's taken away Fitz, who to this point we've seen is one of Duncan's best friends, even though even in limited, you know, episodes. So there was that. It also, I will say this, it is a big surprise, but what it does too is it reminds you, number one, the struggle that immortals go through all the time. And number mm-hmm. two, that no one in the show is really safe. Right. And I kind of appreciate that because while it's not going full on Game of Thrones, killing characters off left and right. Right. No character is above something happening to them and them being mm-hmm. gone, no matter how much we like them, no matter how great they are. Now, it doesn't mean that characters can't come back in a flashback because there's flashbacks all the time, but there's no more Fitz. Fitz is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. That one surprised I think me too. The absolute saddest and more surprising part of that is knowing behind the scenes they're like, well, we got to kill off somebody important. Let's do Fitz. And then after them coming to Roger Daltrey and saying, this is what's going to happen, it's like, oh, really? Man, I would have liked to play this character more. They're like, sorry. Yeah, I know. That's, that is the, <laughs> the part that stings the most is how much fun he was having with the character, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another, you know, something that surprised me was Anne and Duncan because I did not remember their relationship and their episodes being as good as they were. Yeah. I had this memory of her character feeling forced and not meshing with Duncan and just being, mm-hmm. I don't know what it, I don't, I don't know how to, to phrase it, but I just never felt like I remembered not liking Anne and watching it back and watching these episodes she was really well written. She was really well yeah. done. And they did a great job with the relationship too. It wasn't just Anne shows up, they start dating. It's like Anne shows up as a character over here at the hospital where mm-hmm. Duncan's dealing with something else. And like they start out with just that, you know, not quite casual, but they notice each other. Yep. Duncan notices Anne. It's like, okay. And then the next episode. They interact and they give Duncan a reason to go back. And it's just like, they write it. We're saying it again. They're writing a relationship as it would really be. Not as some forced TV over dramatic. Let's make it dramatic for the sake of being dramatic. It's like, hey, let's write this as if somebody meeting somebody. Yeah. It actually felt like two people meeting for the first time. And Mm -hmm. that was brilliant on their part to have her show up and have a reason to have things happen at the hospital and then right. give give Duncan a plot reason, a pl- plot relevant reason to go back to that same hospital more than once and start spinning the wheels, start turning that, that <clears throat> those wheels a little bit and then things slowly built for them and then they have breakfast and, right. you know, because she has a rough, she works the overnight so they have a breakfast date and it built from there and that was great. So yeah, I was just I was so surprised by how how much I enjoyed that whole subplot of this season. And then to take her away from him in the way that they did, which is not to go tropey route of of putting her in danger and having Callus go after her. Mm-hmm. But he still takes her uh in that relationship away from Duncan by putting Duncan in a position where he has to uh, fake his own death and she he has to die mm-hmm. in front of her um so i liked that she was a strong character who had who didn't take guff from duncan at all also yeah. an interesting interesting thing I, I was thinking about earlier today 
So Richie and Joe and Tessa all called him Mac. It was always they were always calling him Mac. She never calls him Mac. It's always Duncan. Hmm. And I thought I was thinking about it today, I'm like, I didn't I didn't realize that, but that's true. So it's yeah. just a different way to differentiate her and her relationship because Amanda yeah. always calls him Duncan. Right. Mm-hmm. But Fitz would call him Mac. Sure. So I just thought that was that was neat. But yeah, the, their relationship totally surprised me with how much I enjoyed it this this season. And ending the relationship in not a a stereotypical kind of action show way. Like you almost expect her to be Tessa again, but this time like being a bad guy, killing her for whatever reason, you know, like that's, that, that's the trope of the hero's girlfriend. Oh, like absolutely. This one, it was more of a reaction between who Duncan is and who she is and what they're dealing with in their lives. And it's like, I cannot be with you for this reason. Her, like, yes, her character was never stripped of her agency. She decided yeah. everything that happened with her. She decided to start the relationship with Duncan. It was of her mm-hmm. volition. She decided to follow him. You know, Duncan Duncan got a hold of her when he was in Paris, but it was her decision to go or not. And and it was her decision. She decided to go. She decided to stay with him. And then she decided to leave him Mm -hmm. not because of danger to herself or danger to Duncan, but because of where she saw herself going, staying with him because of her being a doctor. Mm -hmm. And that line where she said, where she, she wanted Duncan to kill. um, I can't remember which character it was like she was happy that he had, she wanted him to, and that Mm -hmm. bothered her. So right, that's the type of thing where it's like, yes, that's great. Mm-hmm. She, she, and that's where I can say she's a strong character because she had all of that, that, that power, that choice mm-hmm. was always hers. And, they, and it's one of those things where they didn't spell it out. Whereas a lot of other series do the Hippocratic oath of, I will do whatever I can to save a life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just her saying that not using the language, but just plain as day saying like, my job, which I've trained years for, which I have worked years for, is to save lives. And it, I don't know how I can be with somebody whose life involves <laughs> taking lives. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it it was really interesting because they managed to do it without her being judgmental of it at all. It was it's more so, real, oh, thank you. realization of like, this is who you are. This is who I am. And it's... It's just not going to fit. Yeah, she doesn't try to change herself for Duncan, nor does she try to convince Duncan that what he's doing is wrong or can be changed in any way. She just realizes that they are not going to fit together anymore. Mm -hmm. As much as she loves him, as much as she wants to be with him, she can't do it. And yeah, that was the, for me, the biggest surprise of this season. Um, Yeah. So... uh, Another thing that this season had a lot of was some really good special guests. What do you say we talk about those? Yeah, let's do it. Never better, fantastico. <laughs> you look like hell. It's funny, slamming into a bus do that to you. <laughs> you were in the crash. Special guest stars. I mean, where where do you even start? There were so many really good, memorable guest stars in this season. 
And mm-hmm. I mean, right off the bat, first episode, uh, Robert Ito as in the samurai it was awesome. He was just great. Um, and then you have Randall Tex Cobb in the very next episode. And he's yeah. just like chewing scenery and just being Randall Tex Cobb, right? Just, just a bad <laughs> dude. He's, it's always great when they have a foil for Duncan, who's a physical, um, monster like that, because I mean, Adrian Paul is, he's tall. He's very athletic. He's a, a phenomenal martial artist. So when you can put somebody that's going to be freaky, freaky, big, freaky, strong against him, so good. So you got mm-hmm. him, Brian James. Yeah. And the fact that they had Brian James and he's got that animalistic side to him because um, he, he had the, the two things where he's sort of this, you know, this trapper who can't even read. And then you see him later on and he's, He's very upper crust and he's very, you know, slicked yeah. back hair and all of that. Mm-hmm. He was good. Um, I mean, Richard Lynch showing up. Richard Lynch has got that uh, one of those voices that you recognize right away. And he was I liked him because, again, subverting the expectation. He's not a bad immortal. Mm-hmm. He, he was he was a terrible person, but he right. he, he has changed over time. And it was mm-hmm. we both love that uh, part of that episode because we got to see Duncan not believe that this guy had changed and then slowly over time figure it out that he's legit when he says that he, yeah. he has. Um, John Piper Ferguson as Brian Cullen. Yeah. So good as that tragic mm. figure that he fell into drugs as the way to numb the pain of like being the best. He was the best swordsman in all of Europe and everyone was coming for his head. And he couldn't mm. handle that pressure. And he cracked under it. And he just fell into drugs. And his performance was so good. Um, mm-hmm. Just one after the other after the other. Peter Wingfield shows up as Mythos. I mean. Right. And hits it out of the park from the moment he's on screen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, Whoever's casting this series deserved every dollar they earned. If not more. Good Lord. The amount of creativity on screen they brought to this whole series except for what's his face that was uh <laughs> that we keep talking about um, oh yeah yeah that that character that's that that was the low point of uh of right you know but hey they can't all be winners right right but so much of the season like they like even talking about randall tex Cobb, like he shows up you know exactly what kind of character he is but they make him work in this series he's not just a caricature Yep. He's a character in that way, but they fit him into the series in just the right way. And he chews the scenery and is that character and knows what he's doing with it. Yeah. Oh, like totally. Like so many of the guest stars, they know what they're doing with what they've got. I think we've said that a lot this season that they, that so many of these character actors come in for their one episode and do exactly what needs to be done. Mm hmm. Um, David Robb as Callus was phenomenal. Uh, yes. he, he really did just a great job. We even had Barry Pepper in an episode. Mm-hmm. He was, he yeah. was fine. Like he wasn't great, but he was fine. There was nothing yeah. wrong with him. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it just, it was just good work from so many different special guests. John Tench, uh, as that, yeah. uh, as Max Jupe, remember the bass player? He's yeah. got like two scenes and you see him and you immediately don't trust him and he's perfect. He's mm-hmm. he's exactly what you just said. That character actor that showed up 
they cast him for the they they cast the right actor for the part and he just hits it. Eugene Lipinski, mm-hmm. his brother Paul, I loved. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned David Robb because David Robb was just he got a lot because he got to stretch that out over a few episodes, which was just always mm-hmm. fun. And and for those of you like me who forgot that it's David Robb, seeing him again and just thinking, <laughs> this is the doctor from Downton Abbey. Yep. This is like the <laughs> and in Downton Abbey. He is like the most like hands like he's a doctor and will do the doctor things. But man, so much of that, so many times in Downton Abbey, he feels like you could just blow him over with your breath. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. just not as strong of a person, personality wise. And it's really interesting to see him here. Total opposite. And it's it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, he's super freaking good as an actor because he could play those two different types of people and we see so much of it so much of him being the calculating villain in this one and he just does it so well yeah and then you also had um i want to mention garwin sanford as john garrick in shadows because i loved his performance um and i I, that episode uh was a lot better than i remembered it being um and Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna give some credit here to miles ferguson the kid that played kenny yeah, because he did really good. He, I thought he had a great kind of mixture of playing the innocent character while we know that he's bad. Because mm-hmm. we talked about how the, the musical cues and sort of... They didn't try to hide that. They didn't try to play a cat and mouse. Right. Um, but he, I liked him quite a bit. So it's just, mm-hmm. just, I mean, just killing it with casting. And then we haven't said it yet, but Maurice this season... Mm-hmm. was so good he was like he really was and especially with the one episode where it's with his niece mm-hmm. and dealing mm-hmm. you end up we end up dealing more with his family history and all of that stuff and it was just like good lord he's not just the silly character he's the tragic character we didn't know was a tragic character and there's a reason behind his the way he acts and the way he lives his life, we we just think he's a bumbling dude. He's like, no, this is a guy who pulled himself out of a bottle and wants to make sure everybody around him feels the joy of being alive. Mm-hmm. And that character next to Duncan the Immortal, and when you realize that, you're like, holy crap. Yeah. And we had, I remember in season two, both of us were like, well, Maurice was was more than we thought he was. He had some mm-hmm. insight, but then this season, especially that episode, we really got to see where that came from and how he right. became this character. And mm-hmm. it just makes him uh, just more fun to see on screen. So, right, yeah, that was that and was then, great. And then the little bit we got out of him in the finale, it's like, you know, Callus uh, is starting to come after him, and Duncan goes to protect him, and Duncan's like, "You got to get out of town," and Maurice is like, "No, I will stick by my friend." He's like. Here's some money. Get out of town. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. yep. we get, we still get that comedic side of Maurice. That again, the writers have done well and fit that into this series. Mm-hmm. And so much better than I remembered. Yes, and so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and if I don't, we got to mention Roger Daltrey because he was great. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Grayson as well coming back as Amanda a couple times because yeah. it's Amanda. So the special mm-hmm. guests this season were 
I mean, it's kind of beating a dead horse or, or, or hitting the drum too many times, but this was the best that they've done so far. Yeah, um, it really was. So where do we start? Oh, let's see. With this. Time to tie me up. Don't tempt me. Well, it's not recapping a season if we don't choose a favorite and a least favorite episode, right? There's got to be one that rises above the rest, and there's got to be one that we would rather they not have made. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, and I want to know your least favorite episode this season. Hmm. This is a tough one because so many of these were so good. Um, I'm going to have to go with Mortal Sins. As your favorite or your least favorite? As my favorite. Okay. All right. We'll go favorite first. Mortal Sins. Good one. Because just the whole thing with Father Bernard. Mm -hmm. Dealing with that character and seeing that character as someone Duncan deals with. And then at the end of it, with the conclusion of the Anne saga, as we'll call it. Yep. Just, I know there were, we had some issues. It felt a little rushed, but still, I just everything about that, like dealing with the past, dealing with the present and it all kind of coming together in different ways. Um, and just the way they handled every one of those characters, like every single character, every single actor, even the kid playing Little Bernard, was so good. And it did was a great job with what they were given. You're you're you are not wrong there. That is a great choice for a favorite episode this season. It had it had a lot going on. Um, like a lot of the really good episodes, it obviously could have benefited with more time, but they used. All their screen time got used well. The the flashbacks, it was one of those episodes where the flashbacks directly tied into what was going on present day instead of just being illusions. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we got to see the same characters in both the flashbacks and present, but not just the immortals. We got to see a young Bernard. We got to see young Georges Deleu, um, mm -hmm. and then seeing them as old men and the interactions that Duncan has with them and just all of that. That's a great, that's a great choice for a favorite episode. I can't, I can't uh, disagree very much there. It's not my favorite episode though. Yeah. Uh, my favorite episode, and this is going to surprise no one that knows me at all, uh, is uh, episode mythos. It's, it introduces my favorite character in the entirety of the series in a brilliant way. It's well-written. It's also the, third part in a three-part arc mm -hmm. which i loved um we've seen you know we had seen callus take Anne and sever that relationship and we had seen callus take fitz and sever that relationship and kill Fitzcairn and do so much there and now he's going after mythos this mythical figure that duncan doesn't even really believe could exist and then to find out not only does he exist, but he's a watcher and, and just introducing that character. And it was so tightly written. And we got to see in one episode, a couple of different facets of Mythos's character mm -hmm. and the survivalist in him. And it was just, it was one of those, it was David Robb was, was probably my favorite that he was in the entire series. Um, in that one. And, it ended a three-part arc without a finality to it, 
which I yeah. thought was was very interesting to do to give us three episodes in a row following kind of one one major thread, but then to just leave it hanging there in the wind and just he oh he gets caught and put in jail, and that's where we end that. So, you know, it could have very easily been something that they never picked up again, and he just stayed in jail. But obviously, mm-hmm. we know they didn't. They did pick that back up, and that gave us a really great season finale. So that, for me, was my favorite episode this season. Yeah. Just just all around, everything was great with it. Right. It's super interesting the way they ended that, in that you expect, after three episodes, this you expect it to end in a grand, big fight between Duncan and Callus. Yeah. And then for it to end in this chess match of, nope, I'm just going to take you out of the game for a little while. Well, because we... like, okay. Yeah, well, we'd had we'd had the first kind of uh, salvo, which was Callus kind of comes out on top, but Duncan Duncan makes the first blow by sort of getting away from Callus, and then Callus mm-hmm. comes back with the counterpunch, and and not only has he messed with jo- Duncan's life in the U.S., but now he's messing with it in France, and he kills Fitz. So now right. we're at part three. We're at the blow off match of this three match series. And then we don't get a resolution to it and you're left wanting more, but somehow weirdly satisfied with what happened at the same time Mm -hmm. because of everything else that was going on. So it was just such a well done thing. And I loved, I loved the idea of meeting mythos and then him being like, well, nobody, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm just a guy, whatever, you know, I just Mm -hmm. do what I do. And then realizing I better go take on this dude. And, I can't beat him, so now I'm going to go back to this other guy I just met who I know if I can combine my power with his, we can win, but he has the fire that I don't. Like There was so much going on in that episode, and yet yeah. it didn't feel overstuffed either. Yeah, that's true. They And there's a lot of episodes they've done that this season where it's like they mm-hmm. put a lot into it, but it does not feel like it's too much for the one episode. There's some where we're like, oh, this could have been stretched, but... For the most part, like this one, and this, you know, this one being part three, yeah, um, they have that advantage. But still, they they cramp ending the run of Callus and bringing Mythos into this, and it somehow fitting together and not being oversaturated really, really worked well. Yep, absolutely. So now, do you have a a least favorite episode this season? <laughs> I think it's probably both of ours. Probably. <laughs> Vendetta. Yep. <laughs> That's the one. It just... Because it's got the most caricature person that doesn't fit. There's nothing in that episode that ties to anything that makes it one that you should watch. The only thing about it is there's some interesting back and forth play of immortality, but nothing that's done any better than yeah. any other episode in the series. And there's some... There's some points in that episode where the production value just didn't hold up compared nope. to the rest of this season. And it's just, it's death by a thousand cuts that this is the worst episode of this season between Benny as a character, the production value. Some of the actors in this particular episode just were not up to past par. I think right. everybody made it to par. Mm-hmm. But nobody made it past part to make it a really good standout episode. No, and and you know it just it was just kind of there. It felt like it was rushed. It felt like they didn't uh, they didn't fully think or plan things out. And mm-hmm. they're just like they. I th- 
it almost feels like they were they were hoping that the character of Benny could distract you from the other parts. And yeah. all he did was shine a brighter light on the parts that didn't work mm-hmm. as well as be incredibly annoying. So yeah. And right. look, it's we say the character is super annoying. Tony Rosato is fine. He's a he's he's a fine actor. I'm not I'm not knocking him. It's just the character. The character yeah, didn't, I w- didn't work. I would say he plays it perfectly, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work for this show. Like that character, the way he played it does not work for this show the way we needed him to be. He could have, I'm sure he could have done it exactly how they needed it to be. But for whatever reason, he is directed in a way that he's just so over the top that it just does not work. Yeah. It's like he was cast in a different show and just Mm -hmm. happened to be on the set for Highlander. So that's our, or they wanted him, they wanted him to be this and do this (laughs) And not care whether or not it worked or not. It's like, we need him to do this. It's like, yeah. but you shouldn't do that. It's like, but but we've got him. We got to do this. Like, you, you don't have to, but you did anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's our favorite and least favorite for this season. Um, before we, we end the show, though, we have some awards to give out. So why don't we do that? Nice. Sure. I just didn't think you existed. Uh, it's good to be a myth. Yeah, no one hunts for a myth or a watcher. What better place to hide? I'm in charge of finding myself, and I make sure it never happens. All right, so we have three awards to give out for this season. It's season three, three mm-hmm. awards. Seems like a good symmetry. Uh, we are going to start off with the Kurgan Award, which is our award for the best villain of season three. Mm-hmm. We have we have a few nominees for this award. Uh, yep. Nominee number one is Callus. He gets five episodes, he's scheming, he's chess playing, but then he's quick on his feet. He is ready to expose the Watchers and Immortals to the entire world if Duncan doesn't give him give himself up. Right. Uh, he's the big bad of the season, um, is Callus. Yeah. And he's played to perfection by David Robb, too. David Robb was yeah, so good as him. He really was. There's also John Garrick from the episode shadows um, just because that was a different take on things. It was a much more psychological kind of uh, there was some psychological horror elements to that ep- episode mm-hmm. that I really liked. And he was, he was an interesting villain because mental illness that uh, from trauma caused him to hold a grudge for hundreds of years against Duncan. And he was, yeah. you know, he was enacting his revenge. Um, which I mm-hmm. thought was kind of neat. Uh, another nominee here is uh, Kern, played by Randall Tex Cobb. Right. Because he's Randall Tex Cobb, and he's he's just, he's a tracker, and he's just a bad dude. Um, mm-hmm. We also had Kenny, uh, who was the, the child immortal. Um, an interesting villain because he's, what, 800 years old, I think is how old he was. Mm-hmm. And his manipulation um, in using his childlike status, uh, you know, his, the fact that he's remained a child for 800 years. He's right. also, uh, you know, interesting because he doesn't, he, he hates that fact. Like he, there's some mm-hmm. self-loathing in there because he doesn't want to be a kid forever. Right. Yet he just has to survive. He doesn't want to die either, so... Mm-hmm. He was a very interesting villain and a very uh, dangerous one. Right. 
And then finally, Ernst Daimler, uh, who was the uh, German SS officer uh, right. who came back and was leading like a white supremacy group, but mm-hmm. doing everything legally. And uh, he, I liked him <laughs> as Quote a- Quote, unquote, legally. Right. Fair point. Uh, but what I liked about him as a villain was obviously setting somebody up as an SS officer and a white supremacist immediately, you're going to hate him. Um, right. But then adding in the layer of like, he didn't, he obviously held a grudge against Father um, uh, Bernard, mm-hmm. but didn't do anything about it until he came across him. So it's like he was so right. driven to do what he felt was his calling that even though he had spent whatever it was, 40 or 50 years in the, the Seine river, uh, weighted yeah. down, which just is horrifying to think about basically coming to and then drowning over and over for that period of time. Um, yeah. and even with all of that, it took him actually running into father Bernard before he did anything about it. Um, and just that he was, I don't know the mental fortitude he had to not just run right at Father Bernard and be like, yeah. I'm going to kill you now, mother sucker. But that he was just like, oh, hi there, little Bernard. Yep. Oh. So those are our five nominees for mm-hmm. the Kurgan Award of the Best Villain. And the winner of the Best Villain of Season 3 goes to Randall Tex Cobb and Kern. I mean, how can, yeah. it, how can it not be? Yeah. He's, he's the most gloriously over-the-top, cigar-chewing, nappy, mm-hmm. like just, just dirty, greasy, nasty dude. Mm-hmm. And while also being just a physically imposing figure. Um, Look, Callus had an arc. Had mm-hmm. an arc of several episodes, did all this stuff. But Randall Tex Cobb came in and was just Randall Tex Cobb. Mm -hmm. And again, fit into Highlander. Yes, he did absolutely that. Absolutely. He knew what what show he was in and knew how to put himself in that show. Yes, he did. Um, Which is, and it's befitting of the Kurgan Award, too, because Clancy Brown's Kurgan Mm -hmm. is a very similar type of villain. Uh, we do want to give a, a shout out again to Kenny, um, Miles Ferguson is yeah. Kenny because that character was complex and there was a lot going on there mm-hmm. and boy, you could have some fun diving into that one. Right. And again, a child character, and we talked about this before and in later episodes, the fact that he knew who he was as a child immortal, there's no way he is surviving in this world if he's not the most conniving person in the room. Yep. Absolutely. And that's what he was. And again, Duncan gave him the benefit of the doubt until he couldn't. Mm-hmm. But still, he was a great little character. Yeah, and superbly acted as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Our next award is the Dragonhead Katana Award for the best non-Duncan McLeod weapon in Season 3. Mm-hmm. And our nominees are uh, Kirdwin's sword from yeah. uh, f- from that episode was was interesting because she had uh, been alive since Roman times and mm-hmm. and just just that sword was pretty cool. It was there weren't a ton of memorable swords 
in this season for some reason. I'm not sure exactly why that was. Well, it was, it wasn't, nobody had a dragon head katana like Duncan did. True. They all had pretty standard swords, but it, we had a variety of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not too many of them stood out. Kierdwin's sword definitely was one that stood out more that was very much, you know, not your standard sword of the time, but had an interesting look to it. It did. Uh, we also had Mythos' sword, which, again, was a very simple sword, but it kind of mm-hmm. fits him. Uh, yeah. It's simple. It doesn't look like much, but it's going to do damage. And yeah. that's Mythos, uh, you know, kind of wrapped up. Uh, so befitting of his character. And then uh, our third nominee is John Garrick and his apparent telepathy that mm-hmm. is never explained um, other than he studied uh, a lot. Apparently, and that's yeah. enough to give you telepathic powers to to project right. nightmares um, into the mind of somebody. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I loved the fact that they didn't explain it. They're just like, yeah, sure, this guy's got telepathy now. Mm-hmm. He studied with Freud for a while, and that's all he needed. Yeah. Um, but but you know what? It made for a really fun episode. Um, yeah, watching Duncan like slowly losing it. Yeah. So <clears throat> the winner of the Dragonhead Katana for best non-Duncan McLeod weapon is John Garrick's telepathy because it's yes. so freaking bonkers. In a, yeah. show, in a show as bonkers as this, that was like uh-huh. that next level of thing where it's the most memorable weapon anybody used on Duncan mm-hmm. in this season. Well, it's one of those things we've talked about and even I think Duncan and Richie talked about it in... um um. Oh, what was the episode? Um, but just the fact that there has to be more going on in this world if immortals can exist. True. Just any any other kind of thing can be potentially there that can't be explained. And so this is one of those where they just they just went right with it and didn't explain it at all that he did have these powers and had these powers over that he used over Duncan because of the um, vendetta he had against Duncan. And mm-hmm. we didn't realize he had until, you know, that later, later flashback. We're like, oh, yeah, Duncan's the reason you got burned alive. Yep. I'd be pretty pissed, too. Absolutely. And our final award for season three is the Christopher Lambert Award for the best guest star. Um, and this named in honor of Christopher Lambert, who guest starred in the first episode of the series, because he started the whole series with the movie. Yep. So uh, our nominees for the Christopher Lambert Award are Robert Ito from The Samurai. He was just mm-hmm. awesome. He was so good yeah. and just commanded every scene that he was in. Yeah, he really did. And and such a great way to kick off the season too. We get, yeah. to, we get to find out like how Duncan ended up in Japan and sort mm-hmm. of what started that. So... Robert Dito. Uh Second nominee is John Piper Ferguson is Brian Cullen. Again, tragic, yeah. tragic character. Wants the thing with him was that Piper Ferguson played the character so well where he was so far down his spiral, mm-hmm. but he wanted to come out of it. He desperately yeah. wanted to right up until the end. He just couldn't, he couldn't pull himself out of the skid. And so mm-hmm. he ended up steering into it and trying to just, he didn't know what else to do. He was, right. he was at the end of his rope. So 
Um, yeah, John Piper Ferguson. Next nominee is Roger Daltrey as Hugh Fitzcarran because Roger Daltrey, right? Mm-hmm. Fitz is... Uh, and, it, and, and again, like we said, he he did so well with this character. Like mm-hmm. It was just fun to watch. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, and then finally, our fourth nominee is Peter Wingfield as Mythos because anybody that hits the ground running like that with a character has got to get some recognition for that. I mean, yeah, mid-season, first time he plays the character and you're just like, he's, this is, I want more of him. I want more, more, more. Like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yep. So he was great. Um, so there are our four nominees. And the winner of the Christopher Lambert Award for the best guest star in season three is... John Piper Ferguson. This yeah. was a tough one. This was a tough one because the the fanboy in me wanted to vote for Peter Wingfield <laughs> because it's Mythos. Right. Robert Edo was so good. Mm-hmm. Roger Daltrey is Roger Daltrey, and right. he easily could have won this award. I mean, it was literally a coin flip mm-hmm. between him yeah. and John Piper Ferguson. But there was something about John Piper Ferguson's performance that made mm. you feel for this character of Brian, even though like he was in a rough way and he wasn't a good guy anymore, mm-hmm. but he wasn't irredeemably bad. He was just so far off his, the cheese had slid and so had slid so far off his cracker that he just couldn't pull himself out of this, this nose. Right. Mm-hmm. No matter how much Duncan wanted to help him. Yep. Duncan uh, couldn't do it by himself. He had to do it for himself and he just could. Yep. That's exactly what it was. So he was our our pick for the best guest star of season three. John Piper Ferguson's Brian Cullen. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's gonna wrap up season three of Highland yeah. of the series. Uh boy, it was a hell of a season and and I had yeah. a lot of fun with this one. Um, oh yeah, we've hit that that mid show stretch now where where stuff is good. Mm-hmm. It's really really good. Um, <clears throat> so next week we are going to continue with our watching a movie in between seasons, and we are going to watch the the Highlander movie that I have seen the least. I've seen this movie once. <laughs> um, well, I say yeah yeah, it's definitely the one I've seen the least. It's Highlander three. The Sorcerer, or The Final Dimension, again, depending on what part of the world you're in. But um, Highlander 3, it's got, it co-stars Mario Van Peebles and Mako. Um, and Deborah, is it Deborah Unger, I think is her name? Um, I think so. And uh, yeah, I, I only remember bits and pieces of this one. So uh, this is going to be fun because it's yeah. been a while. It's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, we're going to get some Christopher Lambert, though, which is always fun. Um, so, yeah, uh, this was this was the final Highlander movie that um, only starred Christopher Lambert. Mm. Uh, so he made three movies, and then he'll he'll be back in Highlander Endgame when we get to that. Um, okay. De- Deborah Cara Unger, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, Mario Van Peebles, uh, Mako, Deborah Cara Unger. Um, it's going to be... It's going to be something. <laughs> so that'll be, we'll talk about that next week. Um, and then we'll take a, yeah. a short, a short break uh, before we dive into season four. And whew, I can't wait. Season four is going to be fun. Yes. Uh, yeah. So if you, if you like 
um, the show and you want to watch us record it live, you can do that uh, Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. And you can be like Amy, like Ace, um, and be in our chat room, chat with us. Uh, when we do yeah. stuff like this, you can tell us how we're wrong with the awards. Ace is uh, <laughs> not letting Randall Tex Cobb go. As, as not only, he, he won an award. He got best villain. He can't get best villain and best guest star. we got to have somebody else. Yeah. Gotta spread the love around a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, check us out uh, at Twitch. Um, and then the show comes out on Thursdays, anywhere you can get podcasts. Um, a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to it on certainly helps the show be more discoverable. Um, Audie does amazing artwork for every episode. Um, and I loved the collage of a bunch of different ones for this. This was this was really cool. Um, and you post those on, I know you put them up on Twitter. Yep. Uh, and then I think Instagram too. If I can remember, yeah. <laughs> so what what's your Twitter again? So Twitter, it's oddly normal one with okay. one spelled out. And then Instagram, it's simply Audie A U D I E underscore Norman. And it's worth a follow just for uh just for seeing the art that you put out there. Not just the Highlander art either, like all the other stuff that you did. I loved your recap of different commissions that you did in twenty twenty one. That was really cool. Yeah. Um that was fun. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's, and I'm on Twitter at TV's Travis, TVS Travis, um, and mm-hmm. uh, we love to hang out and chat Immortals and chat uh, anything, really. But we'll definitely talk yeah. Highlander with anybody, so find us there. Um, I'm TV's Travis basically anywhere, so. Um, but, yeah, uh, definitely, if you if you ever want to talk Immortals, you want to talk Highlander, you want to talk just video games or music or something, we're, mm-hmm. we're open, uh, open to chat. Yeah. We're two big old nerds ready to talk about whatever. That's damn right. So until next week in Highlander 3, The Source, remember that there can be only one Randall Tex Cobb. Damn right. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>